I'm Mel. And this is Tosh. And welcome to a continuing episode of Mahogany Mammology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. We are actually continuing from episode 21, Incarcerated Mothers, where we've been speaking with LeHeather Wilson. And instead of doing a, a separate episode 22, you can consider this your bonus episode um, in that regards. And here we go. I was going to ask you, like, when, when did you start doing self-care? But May yeah. of last year, I started grief counseling. And I remember walking into my um, therapist's office, and she said, "Why? where have you She said, I don't know nothing. All I can say is, yo, God had to be with you through this right here, and you just not getting counseling? And I was like, sitting there, but I knew I couldn't go any. I, I was at a stopping point. It was like, I can't go to another level. Even, even writing a book, is, I, I would write and stop. And I used to, mm. oh, I got writer's blocks. No, no, baby, you ain't dealing with no pain. Mm-hmm. That's why when you start looking at stuff and reading stuff and stuff I had You're written while I was in jail, I would, it was too much. So I would shut down and go numb again because I didn't want to deal with that. So it was, in, it was May of last year that I started counseling. And she said, why haven't you started counseling? And I remember saying this. She, I said, because I felt like I didn't deserve to grieve. Oh, and yeah. she was like, huh? I said, I feel like I didn't deserve to grieve because I'm angry at myself. I don't know how to grieve because it's too much. I don't know what to do to grieve because it's too painful. Mm-hmm. And so how do and so how do I process pain that I don't want to feel? Because who's to say that in my sobriety, the pain won't cause me to go back and do this thing again because it was too much. Because mm-hmm. not dealing with the pain, I'm good. Right. There's I, a detachment from there's it. There's a detachment from mm-hmm. me, so I don't have mm-hmm. to deal with it. I can just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why... Saying Christian Michael, I'm con- I have to make it a conscious effort because in my story of telling my son, mm. so that's the detachment. And so you she didn't, said, you didn't humanize him. No, I didn't. It was just a situation. It was. It became a situation because it was easier for me not to function because I remember looking at stuff and trying to write the book, and I remember saying, I remember sitting at a table with some vodka in my in in the on the coffee table and a nine millimeter in my hand. And guys, I was so green. What? I had to call, you know, Junior who knew, uh, <laughs> Junebug who knew Paul Boy and them. And she said Junebug. Yeah. And, and, come, and, yeah. Get, come, come, come here. Come here. Yeah, somebody come. I, I need somebody Spooky to come bust yeah, this Paul door open. Yeah, I need y'all to call Paul Dog because I need a gun. They was like, girl, bye. Who you want? Okay, because they ain't trying to well, get call, caught up yeah, behind call you. Call Paul Dog. <laughs> yeah, call Paul Dog and tell, I, I need a piece. They was like a piece of butter. Look. Gum chocolate? Don't you need a piece? I said, I need a piece. I, I need something. I, I, I got, they was like, I don't know. You, you know, and I remember sitting at the table and I had gotten uh, some vodka. And I said, God, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I'm finna call the boys. And and, and I'm, I'm finna just talk to them one last time because I can't do this. And I called down to my mom's house. And I remember Caleb answered the phone. And my boys have heard me tell this story because I'm okay. open with them. I yeah. said, Caleb said, Mama. I said, hey, Caleb. And I'm literally fighting back tears with this 9mm to my head. And I had the 9mm to one head and the phone in the other hand. And I, he was like, Mama, Josh won't let me watch Fiends and Ferb. He's been watching the TV all day long. And I'm tired because he just want to run the TV. He, Mom, I think he watched too much TV. He's addicted. He's just going off on this thing about he's addicted oh, right. to the Disney Channel. And I'm going, I mean, literally, I'm like, gun in her hand, phone in the other. Son, um... Okay, so what is it? I'm going to help you out, son. So, so, but it wasn't helpful. Yeah, because, yeah, because it was. Josh in the background going, Mama, he's not the boss of me. He's the younger one. <laughs> he's not the boss of me. Give me the phone, Caleb. Give me the phone. And I was like, he ran and got the other phone in my mom's <laughs> room. And I'm like, look, sons, uh, there's three TVs in Granny and Papa's house. Why are, Why y'all fighting over one TV? Go in Papa's room or go, I mean, go in the guest bedroom or go in Granny and Papa's room and watch the TV. Well, Papa in the other room, you know, they just going off about why they still want to fight over this one TV. So as I'm talking, and I wish you ladies could, this artist can see me doing this. As I'm talking to them, um, the phone is in this hand. And as I'm as I'm diffusing this argument, I'm seeing this nine millimeter go back down to the coffee table. 
Remembering and, purpose. Amen. Remembering and as purpose. I as I hung up, the, got ready to hung up the phone after they we you know got everything situated as far as the argument. I remember Josh was saying, "Mama, you gonna be down here this weekend?" Oh, and I said, ooh. "I said, yeah, I'll be there this weekend." <laughs> And as I hung up that phone, I looked down and saw that nine minutes. Oh. <laughs> and I remember saying it it Mm-mm. wasn't a rhyme word, it wasn't a scripture, it wasn't nobody saying, you know, let me just give you a word. It was just an argument, a diffusing argument over the Disney Channel that saved my life. Right. That told me they need you for something as simple as this. And as I went through this process, I had to remember that ongoing. So there's been times when I want to give up. But I one, one thing I do know, and people say, oh, this is insanity. This woman is kind of throw. But every time I landed on my back, I understood something. If I could look up, I had to get up. If I could open my eyes and look up, then God dog it, you better get up. Because you woke up. And I did. Mm-hmm. And even after that, you know, with everything that happened... I went to grief counseling last year. I know we're probably... No, no, you're no, fine. You're fine. You, you, you're fine. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I went through this grief counseling and the pain got too great and I stopped. And I went back again. And the pain got too great and I stopped again. And then even, you know, going through a divorce and my ex-husband and I, the communication ceased there was not like little. There was none. I didn't have his cell phone number on my phone. We could not talk. Now, even, you know, he distanced himself from the kids. I was always, as mom, we can't get in the mom get no matter what. If we're really into, I mean, in connected to our children, there still was, I was still going to PTA meet, trying to get down to PTA meetings and football practices with the Gatorade, with the chair with the umbrella and just numb, just I got to do this because this is what a mom does. And I love doing the action, but me as a mom still dealing with the death of my yeah. son, it, there wasn't, if I'm honest, and I'm just going to be real about yeah. this thing, yeah. there, was a, there was some disconnect because I couldn't give them 100% of who I was as a mom. They may have gotten mm. 75, but they got all I could give them in that season. But I didn't want to shut. I, one thing I was not going to do was shut them out. But then my thing is, why would why would you even have an expectation of giving them a hundred percent in that season with everything that you are going through? Perfectionist. You, but you just physically cannot. You know what I mean? Like, no matter how much you try, seventy five percent was your hundred percent at that time. You could not. You you physically could not do it. So I'm not, I'm just like, and this is just me talking in thin air. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how could you even push over to try to give them more than what you physically and emotionally and spiritually could? You couldn't give them 110. You couldn't even, at this point, you couldn't. You'd be happy if you, honest to God, gave them 75 consistently. You did a lot. You did a oh, lot yeah. under the circumstances. Oh, yeah. yeah, like you, like you said earlier. I mean, probably most people. Yeah, probably would have just shot themselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. But there's something deeper inside of you that that does love your children. And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's saying a lot. And I'm sure that there are, you know, other moms either incarcerated or going through um, a process right now and might be going, well, how is this going to affect the kids? And I see, I hear your story as a very positive outcome. I know you're, you know, doing the 75%. But for them, if they are listening, like to me, this is a this is the upswing. It can be an upswing. Their story can be the upswing. This doesn't have to be it. Mm-hmm. You are interacting with your children. Granted, they I don't know if they're now in the home with you or not. I I'm not sure. But the fact that they one <laughs> your kids get to be with their grandparents. So to me, I'm like get that support system regardless of what your situation is. Make sure that support system is set up. And then two, you made sure or the best that you could to make sure that you were involved in their schoolwork 
academically and shout out to those teachers that said yeah we're down with this mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we're gonna make sure this happens because them teachers didn't have to do that either oh yeah they could have said <laughs> sorry I sent an but, email explaining yeah. this and, and and let me come talk to you because if he is acting this way in which they, you know, of course they had their seasons, but even the grades were still good. Yeah. This is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Let me be transparent about what they're ensuing right now and mm-hmm. enduring right now because this is not normal for young boys. This is not a normal. This is not a normal for anybody, really. You're helping them to have a normal life. In spite of. In spite of. And so I think that that to me is beautiful. Yeah. That that you worked that hard. And granted, I know you, you should have put in time for your self-care. But guess what? A lot of, as we have found through a number of our guests, we do not. We do not do, not do it well enough or enough. Exactly. And I'm glad that you, you're talking to our guests to make sure, one, I hope you will walk away making sure that you do add on some self-care yes. for yourself more. So I know you just said you just started doing counseling. the grieving counseling this past May, and I hope you add a little bit by little bit oh, yes. to bring in that that whole self-care overall to May, it. Yeah, May of 2017. May of 2017. Yeah, so it's been a year. Yeah. And I remember, I'll tell this, this funny story. I remember the, the things moms do. I remember gas was like really expensive, and I, I had a Tahoe, so it took about it. $85, dollars to fill my truck up. So my mom calls and says, Caleb is on program uh, this week and I need you to come down here. He need a bandana and a cowboy hat. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm thinking gas is hot. But you know what? It, it didn't matter. And I at that time, I had gotten on disability because I had to take care of my mental health. Mm-hmm. And so, I, the little ch- and of course I worked, so it was an okay amount. I mean, I won't live off of it forever, but it was just that in that season, I knew that I couldn't function on a job because of my mental health. I was, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did what I look. I did what I had to do in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So she called and said, "Caleb is is on the program, and he wants you to be here." And I was like, "Okay, okay." So I filled up my Tahoe, eighty five dollars. And I drove to East Texas and got the hat and the bandana. And I went to the program with my mama. And I remember going, okay, well, when he coming up, it was the MLK program. And I was like, well, what are they doing all this? And the songs are cute. But mama, you said he on, he on the program. That's what he said. Y'all, <laughs> Caleb got up at the end of the program <laughs> and said, thank y'all for coming out. <laughs> That's I'm what done. education is all about. <laughs> Girl, eight, baby, eight words. I looked at my mama. I said, eight, $85 for eight words. Eight words, mama. You, you, I, I, I was so mad. I said, I spent $85 for, and drove two hours, four hours round trip for him to say, thank y'all for coming out. That's what education is all about. <laughs> and you know what? Guess what? But guess what? If he had been, Reverse that though, because yeah. they would have had to drive two hours to come here to see him do the same eight words if he had been with you. So guess what? Oh, yeah. Turn about is fair play. <laughs> okay, but I, I was mad for that season. I was like, but he, I was there. But you know, he was happy you were there for them eight words. For them eight words. Eight words. Eight words. I was and, like, and that's a lifetime memory eight. for him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's what we. I'm saying this is what we as mom do when we do. <laughs> we do. What we gotta do. And I drove back going, Lord, 85. Okay, but that's all right because my baby saw me and I was there. Mm-hmm. But the the thing about the powerful, the power of what we, what we, what, what has transpired is I learned um, that you got to take care of you. When life hits, again, if you don't deal with life, life is going to deal with you. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's real. So you have to admit, and a lot of times what we don't want to do is take the mask off. And what happens is the mask of denial will keep you from seeing the mirror of your truth. Because you can put face on all day long. Be face, box face, whatever face you're going to get. That don't mean anything if you don't take that mask off and look in that mirror and see who you really are. If you don't know who you are at your core, you can be cute, cute, cute outside. You can be, I I look around now, and because of what I've gone through, I look look at things from a whole nother lens. And I see people, and I say, although I was incarcerated, I was freer then than I am sometimes now. And I see people walking around internal bondage all day long, Mm -hmm. and they got the key. 
to unlock the door and walk out. But sometimes I've even done it. Girl, you got the key. Why are you sitting here? Because if I'm honest with myself, mm-hmm. it was it got comfortable that way. It was comfortable to stay numb. It was comfortable just to talk about it, but not process the pain. But it's I've learned that there's nothing constant but change in life. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that's constant. Mm-hmm. It's gonna change, y'all. Mm-hmm. Whether you want it to or not, mm-hmm. like it's gonna change. And I have to deal with me. I have to deal with me. And self-care is so important, y'all. I didn't even realize that I would even when I started working for the organization. And I see in my, oh, the passion. Oh, I'm going to help everybody who has a criminal background. I got to give me the discernment. I could, they, I could see him walk in the door and tell by their, the way they posture themselves. Oh, he's been, he has to be locked up a long time because he doesn't want to touch the door the doorknob because what happens is you don't touch doorknobs and do, uh, door handles when you're incarcerated. It's, it bars. Opens, it opens. Mm-hmm. It, it opens, opens automatically and closes. And, and so when I when someone walked into the office and I saw that they were kind of like because they didn't realize mentally I can open I can physically turn this doorknob. And so as I'm talking to them and doing their intake and I'm pulling up their background, I'm like I'm talking to them like nothing. It could be three murder cases and I just be talking talking to them like we finna go to the store and get light bread. What you want? You want lunch meat? And then you want most of the man? And they just be like, I know this woman pulling up, and I'm like, okay, so what? And I'll say, okay, well, what you in it? Where you on? Oh, okay, so you were down there in Tennessee, Collins. So as I'm talking to them, they looking like, oh, I, I can relax. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of them, some of them know my story, some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And so it's when it's in that season, whenever it's time to tell it, then I tell it. But I let them understand that I get it. You can relate to them because there's no judgment, because you have been on the mm-hmm. other side. And when you asked about my my crew, and my girls are awesome, I love them, but I even distanced myself because mm-hmm. I felt uncomfortable. Because well, we used to go out for brunch and have dinner parties, birthday celebrations and trips and everything. I didn't fit in anymore. Right. Because right. everybody married, they have doctors and I have friends that are, you know, pharmacists and right. one has her own cosmetic business. One, she's a doctor at uh, Herman Memorial in Houston. And so they're all living their lives and I'm sitting here going, what happened to mine? Mm-hmm. So when y'all mm-hmm. say, Shay, come on, love it, come on, let's go to the, I'm like, I, I don't want to go. We booking a cruise, we're going to start paying on it now. Cruise where? <laughs> I, I'm on cruise. <laughs> My life on cruise right now. I can't take one. <laughs> uh, you know? I, I, or better yet, you know, I can only go, but so far. And, and, I, got, yeah, and, and then, then I get, I hit an anchor and the anchor right. got me stuck. So <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'm anchored right that, now. That, I can't right, go. Right, right. So exactly. it's just like, I don't want to, and I didn't, and I'm watching them and I'm going, wow. What happened to my life? So that brought some, some more stuff, uh, some more stuff on top of the most stuff. Child, so, it was, so it was there that I felt comfortable because, oh, okay, I, they've experienced what I've experienced. You know, they feel they feel it now. I, they had to get up at four thirty in the morning. And they understand, but I still didn't fit in there really. So it was like I don't fit in anywhere because I would try to reach out to the ladies while we in cl- while while I was in class and they just look at me like, yeah, ooh, you know, you work here and I didn't work there at first when I was a client. I, of course, I didn't work there, so I was just trying to reach out because I wanted to connect. But they thought she, you know, you ain't been where you go. You you were locked up, right? You don't look like a, a uh, hardened criminal. Whatever. You, yeah. what does, what, you know what I mean? The question is, what but does the face a, of an ex offender really look like? Uh huh. Unless you're in the feds. Now, uh, feds, you done some embezzlement, some money laws. I like how she looked at me. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, just being real. That's, you know, people, that is, that it. Let's just be real. That's a whole nother, you know, the feds. The, the, I was going to say, that depends because it's, oh, it's, it's club it's fed. Rough, <laughs> it's said, club fed. There's different layers to it. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but. But, Thank know, you I mean, for correcting me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but there's this misconception. Tosh, really. You don't know my life and my backstory. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. We're going to have to put you over here in this shit. We're going to have to flip the no, script over here. Listen, and that's all I'm going to say. Like, I was going to uh, say, I was gonna say I, 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 there's an interesting backstory to me, and that's all I'm going to leave it right there. Why is this kept, huh? Mm-hmm. Why is this kept? That's it. So, yeah, so, but I, I, hear, I see often the misconception of what an ex-offender really looks right. like. Right. How yeah. they are supposed to speak or act or mm-hmm. dress and I'm like wow and I At look the local and I see the judgment yeah. even even where I work mm. even what you know, when people hear my story, even when I speak in at the Dallas Police Department corporate office and they're looking like, 
you went to jail you because went, you're supposed to be yeah. a certain way. You're supposed to look a certain way. Your 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 language is supposed to be that uh you know no I'm not, saying or yeah you know what I mean know. broken up yeah. broken language that kind of thing. You're, you're honest honestly you are supposed to appear uneducated. Thank you, thank you. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Or you've like been you a said, trick on the street. Or, or you've been a dope fiend. Exactly. Uh, take, shaking exactly. a tail feather. Mm-hmm. You've been hustling dope. And I saw so many women. And it's so, oh my God. I saw so many women in there that had taken a case. A dope case for that man. man. Come on now. Girl, Come I, on. That was There's a whole documentary behind that. There's a whole that. other story. There is, because I was going to say, so the other percentage, and I, I don't even know if I mentioned that, sure. but I was going to say a lot of the percentage behind women, black or white, is due to doing a case for a man, for their man. Yeah, they got I, caught I up that. for their yeah. man. You know, that's why they're in prison. Girl, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother. That's, that's, that's part two or three. That's, yeah, that's a whole nother. We're going to have to keep this going a little bit. But yeah, I used to be like, I was like, Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you did, baby. What you do? Uh, but he, I was at, he had already. He was on. Uh, he had. He was out on bun. And so when they pulled us over, he, he and said, he told me he to said, take baby, it. You take this. You, you ain't take this dope charge from because now I'm gonna be locked up. And they took this brother dope charge. You know. And I, I said, baby, are you serious? I, I, I didn't understand. You that. Just, I love him. And here's the thing. And I tell people this Come all on. the time. I say, girl, you done took this brother dope charge. He ain't put no money on your books. You can't he go out to commissary. out there with his next girl. Got, girl, two, no, got a whole secret family already out here. You probably had a kid by him already. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Look. We ain't gonna talk about that on when got you. They done got your homegirl now and your best friend and he got her pregnant and married her and they raising your other baby. Okay. But he ain't putting no money. But he loved me. That's, but my, he that's my daddy. Baby, your daddy is gone. Or your daddy done gave you some HIV. We never wow, talk about that. Got, y'all went off. We're not gonna talk about that part either. Oh, we're not gonna talk about that. Oh my. But, oh my. But that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. That's a preview to a whole different That's a whole episode. nother dynamic. Anyway. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, anyway. Yeah, we done went all the way. Yeah. I know, we no, went okay. all the way. Yeah, we, we went all the way. Like I said, there's a life behind. Anyway. That's a, whole, that's, a whole nother, that's a whole nother dynamic of just the women that felt, and they were so deep in low self esteem and being belittled yes. and being mal- yes. There was a lady, I never forget, she was a stud. When, for those, yeah, she's, yes. you know. And so I, I remember I used to sit there and I was a reader because I had to keep, you know, Again, even there, keep my mind going, keep my mind going. And they would come up to me and talk like I was some counselor. And I'm thinking, baby, if you only knew this story. But I said, now listen, because I watched. And she came with me and she was like, man, Miss LaHeather, you know, I need to talk to somebody. I said, okay. She said, you know, I see you reading and stuff and talking to people. And I know I ain't living right. I know because this ain't how I was raised. And my mom and them, they, you know, my granny, was, oh, she rolled over her grave. She saw how I was living. And then I said, okay. She said, well, I'm going to come talk to you about it again when I, I feel like I can really talk about it. She came back again. And she said, so I'm going to tell you something. And I, I hadn't really told too many people this. And she broke down and told me that when she was eight, her mom's boyfriend and her uncle was she was molested mm-hmm. by them. And she said by the age of twelve, her insides were destroyed, where she cannot bear children. And she said when they took her to the doctor, and they, she when she found out that she they had destroyed her insides, that she swore that she would never let another man touch her. And that's how she and that's became how a she stud. Came, that's why she became a stud. Wow. Wow. She said, I swore nobody would ever put anything up in me. So guess what I do now? I strap on and I put it in him. And I thought about Damn, how many dog. layers was this behind yeah. that. Right. She right. straps on now. Right. So basically that gives me the power. And right. The, yeah. To right. do what I want to do to another female. And it was just like, oh, my. I had to just really oh. just sit there and I had to just like, I was just like, oh, my. Right. And those are the things that our women experience because if we honest, uh, let's because I've heard it, uh, have a couple of friends that have gone through it. Uh, go down to the country or somewhere on, uh, during the summer and uncle molesting you, a cousin uh, molesting you, hide and go get it. And then got it. And nobody talk about that stuff. That's the hidden things that we as African-American don't want to deal with. 
ex- women as well. Because we all want the embarrassment of I was molested. Or who would I tell that he really touched me and it made me feel uncomfortable? Yeah, that's a whole, di- yeah, that's a that's whole, a whole yeah. different thing. So because we don't deal that's with about, that part you know, of it. Yeah. yeah the, the and so that stuff leads it. to the, if not dealt with, the substance abuse, mm-hmm. the tricking, mm-hmm. the selling mm-hmm. of drugs, oh, uh, for sure. the committing of the crimes, yeah. oh, yeah. the yeah. drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Yeah. And then you're getting incarcerated and then people are like, well, what happened to you? Yeah. I caught a dope case. Yeah, but I didn't tell you that I've been on dope since I was ten, and yeah. I'm, I've been strung out now. Yeah, and I don't went from and weed I'm, to heroin to crack to back to heroin to PCP to wet. Now I got a wet brain, wet brain because I can't even function. I'm stuck in my memory. Because and then think about this: you're looking at people. I saw a young women that had been on drugs for five, six years to women that were in their fifties and saying, "Girl, I've been getting high since I was seventeen years old. Yeah. Now you fifty two, mm-hmm. and you it's your fourth rodeo ride to prison, and that's all you know is being a dopehead." Gosh. And so it's yeah. like fifty. Think about it. Forty, thirty years of ongoing drug use. Ongoing. I'm like, where? Damn. Health-wise, yeah. I'm just like, damn, that's all I'm saying. Never mind the psycho- yeah. the, the psychological, mm-hmm. but I'm like, your body is just Done. obliterated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my I God. I had somebody think about obliteration. I had someone come in. I came up the steps about three weeks ago, and I was sitting there, and she cut all her hair off balls. She was sitting out on a blanket. She had a, I guess all her belongs in a suitcase, and she was sitting out there, and it was drizzling. I was like, what? What's going on? She was like, Miss Lad, Miss Lad, I just need help. I need help. I said, Come, come here. Let's talk about it. And she said, I'm tired. I, I'm an addict, and I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I said, Well, what's going on? She said, I need help. I need help. She kept saying, I need help. I yeah. said, well, When the last time you used? Because I also now I'm a certified peer recovery specialist, and so I'm. And then, of course, the experience and the knowledge that I've gained. I said, So when the last time last night I did some. Wet, which is PCP, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, "Where, where, where you been? I mean, you got your suit. I slept in the park last night." She said, "I got high off of PCP," and she said, "I've been having these, these, these dreams and visions that my six year old been getting high with me, and so I got I tried to get higher so I can." And mm-hmm. I've been thinking about suicide and hurting somebody. And I was like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on," because that's a mental illness part of it. Because people yeah. don't want to talk about the men- dual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. The mental illness and the substance abuse. That's a whole other story. Too. Yeah, yeah, true. Because okay. nobody wants to talk about that part. And so she said, I can't do it anymore. I don't want, I, I, she, spe- she said, especially black men, I definitely don't want to do, deal with them. But she said she got in high, she got in the truck to trick, to prostitute. <laughs> and the guy, mm, 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 she said, the guy said, uh, I, I want you, to, I want to have sex with you without a condom. And she said, no, that's not how I do it. And he said, yeah, you're going to do it. And she said, no, I'm not. He said, why not? I'm clean. I'm married. And she said, I don't care. I, I don't. That's not how I do it. So she said, Miss Leather, he had me go down on him. And after I finished, he came, he came out. He just come all over my face. And she said, and I, 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 she said, I was just, I, I screamed and yelled and kicked until he just let me out the car. And now he said, she said, he didn't, well, she said, he didn't pay me my money either. I said, okay, but baby, you didn't get that paid. Was a waste. Yeah, wow. yeah, she said she didn't get her money, but I that's was like, whole, baby, mm, that's yeah. <laughs> you lived. Right. You, okay. you walked that's out, right. You got out the truck and you were able to come here. And I told her, I said, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you what you, I can give you suggestions, but you, when you're ready, I got you. I'll take you where you need to go. We'll go to next. I'll take you to recover. We'll go to green. I said, right now, because you're having these thoughts of hurting, we're going to get you, try to get you to green oats because they take you 24 hours a day. You can do a walk-in. I said, so if you want to go, you can go. But if not, then I can't make you. I'm mm-hmm. just giving you these options. Mm-hmm. So about 30 mm-hmm. minutes later, she came and she said, can you just take me? And I drove her down to green oats and we talked and we prayed on the way. And she looked at me and she said, can I do this? I said, yeah, you can do it. Let's go in. I said, now, if you don't, this is free will, so you can walk out now. It's up to you. And she said, no, I can do it. And I prayed with her, and we went in. She signed in, and I hadn't heard from her since, but I'm just believing that she's okay. Because I told her, I said, when you get through with this and you get your meds regulated, I want to see you back. Yeah. Because you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I hope you stayed, sis. Yeah, I hope she did, too. Yeah. I hope, I'm hoping I'll see her. I'm, you know, I'm not going to, she's going to be, she's, she's, she's going to be okay. Because she knows, she, there's something in the inside of her that kept her going. Mm-hmm. And, and I saw it because I recognized it in my own self. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's something deeper than it, deeper than this. But I ended up, um, Going and finishing, of course, these programs and, again, all this other stuff that happened, the, the great, great news. But the sad thing is, again, I, I hadn't processed anything. And my counselor said, my therapist was like, okay, so we got you, you got your support system. 
you you working now. You got your okay. You're in the process of uh, getting ready to start buying a house, and mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, and um, but I, it's still something missing. And she said, okay, well we're gonna work through this process. And as soon as we started working through the process, guess what I did? Stop going. You shut down. Yeah. Shut down again. Mm. And I was like, I can't continue to live like this. And so. I had I had to get to a point where my I remember my son Caleb saying, "Mama, ain't you?" She he said this, "Mama, ain't you tired of being angry?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Huh? Ain't you sad? Ain't you tired of being sad, Mama?" He said, "I, I you 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 try to be. I see it sometimes, but a lot of times I don't see it." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, okay." So it was. I took a season off. Just uh, when I say a season, I mean I had to kind of shut myself away from some things because I had to understand what it is that you really want to do. And it was like, God, I just want my babies. I want my babies back. I don't want to be a house. I want to be a home. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to come back and the foundation is still cracked and the house is still shifting and there's cracks in the walls. And I'm trying to paint over the cracks to put a picture up that's pretty and the picture's not pretty. Cause we gotta be. I have to be real about who, where I am, and where they are. Cause this process is not just about me; it's about us as a whole. Cause one thing I do understand that if I have the flu, and I have a fever, and I'm contagious, and if you're in that house with me, mm-hmm. even if I go to the doctor mm-hmm. and get well, mm-hmm. you still sick. Mm-hmm. And so this is a whole household yeah. that needs to heal and needs to process. Because there's some anger in my boys. One is a fighter, one is a flighter. I got mm-hmm. a fighter and a flighter. Do you feel like that's because of the situation that happened? I think that has to do with it. And some of it is that that's because that's their, that's their personality. Their dad, the, one of them is just like their dad. He's calm. He's the flighter. He seems unbothered. But it's something underlining. Mm-hmm. That I get, I I see it. My other one, he's as excited and anxious as I am, and we laugh together and play together. But he's he gets angry and he he's ready to swing. I mean, literally, somebody did something last year and and t- did something with his backpack. He threw the whole phone at the guy, and I was like, son, uh, okay. you, you threw your whole phone at, at why you just didn't? Here I am, cause I got anger issues too. Why you didn't throw the backpack? He like, mama, okay, I'm sorry, son, because I got issues too. We got, we all got some anger going on. But I understand that that's where they are, and I'm and I'm learning about them and, and talking to um, counselors that deal with children so I can try to understand who they are. But it was something in, was it February? I went to counseling. And she said, I don't understand what's going on, Heather, because you got the support. You're getting the things together. Life is seems like it's doing good. Why? Why are you not getting? Why hadn't you got your kids back? And I was like, "Cause I got to get his excuses. I got to get somewhere to stay, <laughs> and I got to do this. And then I got to do this." And she's like, "And you got? And you fearful?" Mm. And I was like, "Fearful? Yeah, you fearful?" Because what I shared with her was, I remember when I would go to my mom's house and I would sleep in the I would sleep in the room with them in a chair, and when they were sleep, I remember going and putting my hands on their backs to make sure they were breathing. So even though I was there, I would be up all night watching them because it was the fear yeah. of something is going to happen. And even the fear of, of it's my fault again. And I tell people all the time when they say stuff like, you know, girl, I can't believe you got four years deferred probation and, and you got off and that, you really got off. And I tell them all the time. And I say it so often, more than I probably want to. I didn't get off. I got a life sentence. Mm-hmm. I have a life sentence because guess what? I will never see Christian graduate high school. I'll never see him go to college and graduate. Mm-hmm. Play football. I'll never see him get married and have children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a seed that was sown in love. Mm. But it never reaped a harvest. Mm. Mm, mm. Never reap the harvest. And so when you're in these dead places, I was in a dead place for years, and something said, get up, girl. You got to do something. When my, and I got offended because my therapist, she was sister, and I didn't like how she would handle me because I was able to talk my way and manipulate people for so long because I'm going to tell you why I think you want to hear so it looks like I'm okay. Yeah. Because it looks like 
through all of this, I was okay. But they didn't know that I had to go down. I got drunk in the parking lot of Green Oaks Hospital and went to check myself in. Because I said something. This is why I said something got to be wrong with me because nothing is wrong with me. And people used to say, girl, I don't know how you surviving this. How you okay? And I'd be like, I'm, I shouldn't be okay. And then if I did drink, why you drinking? And I say, well, tell me what to do. Can y'all write? I, I remember one time I got so frustrated. I said, can somebody write down, write, and I promise you I'll follow step one, step two, step three. Just write it down for me because I want to do it. Right. I don't know what else to do. And that's what happens when we get stuck. When you're mm. dealing with people that are dealing with addictions or those marriages that are failing, and you, I don't know what else to do because mm. this is my comfort zone. So it's because it's, it, it's but I understand what I do know this is in that place where you get uncomfortable. That's where change comes. And so early this year, I got uncomfortable and I stepped out. And I said, let me go see an attorney. I went to an attorney. They said it's going to be about four thousand dollars to start. And I was like, four thousand dollars to start. And I said, OK. And I stopped. And my therapist said, I'm beginning to think it's something else. Is something else going on because you're not moving forward? Hell, we've been doing this off and on. You stop, you go. What's what's really going on? Because she was holding me accountable for my stuff. Mm-hmm. She was calling me on my shh. Okay. That's what mm-hmm. she was doing. Yeah. And I didn't like that because nobody ever did that because I was able to pretend that everything. My mask was... Because you were perfect. Yeah. I was, yeah. I'm, I'm that... Yeah, she doing so. And I was just towed up. Because in that whole sense, nobody said, are you okay, Heather? Do you mm-hmm. need counseling? And I, was, I wasn't okay. I never, I, I was not okay. And so I isolated myself from people. I would function and give and serve and just, oh, make people bless people, serve people, and come home and just be mm. exhausted. Mm. I have nothing. Lock the door, wouldn't answer the door, wouldn't answer the phone. They used to send people to knock on the door just to make sure I was, because I would just shut everybody out. And I'd open the door like, I'm okay. They'd be like, well, them, how did they say they've been calling you and you haven't been answering? No, because I just can't. Because it's exhausting it's to keep exhausting. a face on. Face on. And I for ended, as many yeah, as long as you for can. as long as I did until I just couldn't anymore, and so I said okay, and I went and I said well I started thinking, girl you got a degree in criminal justice, you're not slow, you can do this, so I went uh to to the uh, George Allen Building to the law library, and I said um I need to get some paperwork. And I went in and I he said, well, we got a law clinic going on. You can go in here and they can help you. SMU law graduates. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So I said, oh, okay. So I went in and I said, he said, well, here's the packet that you need. And so I said, okay. And I went in and they went, I said, well, I can do this myself. So I went to TexasLaw.org, TexasLawHelp.org. And I pulled up modifi- modification for custody. Okay. And I went in and I went downstairs and I said, I need to file for custody. They opened the case back up. I paid the filing fee, and it came with resistance because my parents, um, they they were three and six. Now they're thirteen and sixteen. Well, Caleb will be sixteen in December. So I was I was met with some resistance from your parents. Oh yeah, because they were. Here's the thing: they'd been with them, and where I live is not the best neighborhood right now. Mm. So they in a house, they on acres of land in the country, they're in school, they've been stable, they've been with us the mm. whole time. And so when you finna come well, let me let me ask this. The parents never thought to have a conversation about how do we make sure you get your kids back? Well, no, it, it was not that. I think they didn't think I was going to ever follow through with it. Okay. Because it took three years for the case. It happened in 2009. I didn't sign to 2012. I came home at the end of 2012. 2013, I came home. I didn't even have underwear. I had to start. When I say over, yeah, over. Yeah, sir, so that's the classes, the, you know, getting back together, getting together. I had to be, get on disability just to get stable mentally. That's what I say a little bit. Then I had to get a, get a job because you got to have a job somewhere. Yeah, like those yeah, things. yeah, yeah. So, so you got to no, I get that. That's, I, I'm just kind of like, Shouldn't your parents, parents like, have been like, that should have always wait, been something, something in the back of their mind yeah, or like, like a discussion like, hey, we need to get you back on track. Yeah. So now, we you, did have that conversation, but I think, it, again, at so some point, it was like resistance. a year, there's been another year, there's been another year. So is she really going to, I think oh. nobody thought that it was going to really happen. Because they would talk about it, but they're like, eh. But when, it's, when it comes where you having to really loose that grip and let it go, it's like, wait a minute, but they got another year of school. And it was just like, oh, because so, so they got comfortable. 
exactly. Yo. So it comes with, with the, okay. it also comes with the, the connection that they had because my parents been married 45 years and it had all been gravy. So when you got it, when all the kids are gone, all the grandkids are gone, you got to deal with that. Okay, do I really know you? <laughs> really? We, we don't have a house full of kids anymore. So my mom has been attached. She, my dad had kidney failure when all this happened. She, oh, wow. reti- oh, he had to force retire. She stopped working to take care of her, him and my, me and my, my kids. Right. So her life is like, what, what am I supposed to do now? They, they're about to leave. Emptiness. So it's not because she didn't want me to have them. It's because the emotional sure. disconnect mm-hmm. of not getting them taken to school, not cooking breakfast, having them in the house and around her because the house is going to be empty. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I went in and I filed for custody, it wasn't because she didn't want me to have them. It was because she had to she let, had let go. go. Yeah. She had to let go. Okay. And so it's been a process. But it was, the irony of this, ladies, is that August the 28th of this year, I went before uh, the 256th District Court, Judge Lopez, Judge Lopez Court. And the same judge that granted my mom and dad custody nine years ago gave me full custody of my children back. Okay. So now... I do have full custody of Caleb and Josh. Oh, that's awesome. wonderful. Awesome. Yes. Grand- just, I'm sure grandparents are visiting. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's what we had to do. And I did it because I understand. Thank mm-hmm. you. I understand what's happening. My oldest is here. The 13-year-old is there for this just right now. Because okay. I wanted, and just, and I did this, and that's why I say, ladies, I encourage you, if you're dealing with anything like this, you, you got to make sure you're still okay. I had to understand that my parents still had to let go. And so although I don't like the separation, we do I do go and get them get Joshua every weekend or we go down there every weekend so they're only away from each other five days apart. I understood that for me, not having them for nine years and only getting them on the summer and the weekends is different than full time parenting. And so it has to be an adjustment. So in this season right now, Caleb just started. He goes to Lancaster High. He just had homecoming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. at football games, football practices, doing all those things. But I'm adjusting. It's, actually, mama, mama. Good, it's yeah. actually a good way of doing it. it was, yeah. I had to do it that way because I want to make sure. I, I mean, was, bringing two back in, that would have been like it, you throwing it. you just throwing it immediately. Yeah. And then snatching my mom, snatching him away. And she's yeah, like, well, yeah. When, and so Joshua was three. So they literally raised him. He's 13. Mm-hmm. Granny and Papa is what they know. I mean, mm-hmm. mama, they even say this, uh, Mama, Granny, I mean, Granny, Mama. Because they just, you know, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they, and so he, this was an adjustment and he kept saying, Mama, I think I may just need to say just a little while, just like maybe to December because I don't want to break Granny's heart. And he said, and Papa, my dad is on kidney dialysis three times a week. He said, and Papa got his walker and he had to pull up and blow and I have to help him get out the truck. And he he, he said, and Papa forgets that he be burning rice on the stove, Mama. So Uh-oh. I have to make sure he, he turned the stove off. <laughs> okay. So that sounds like he going to be there till May. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> we're going to try to. But he's, but like he's here now. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, and so, they, but it's been that. It'll trend. be a great Christmas. It was a Christmas. needed, it was, yeah, it's it's be a a needed transition. And let yeah. him lead. Let him lead yeah. on that. You yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like I said, one thing I do is I have to understand where they they are as well. And so even getting counseling set up right now as a family unit, not just individually, but as a family yeah, unit. Yeah. But I didn't want to want. And one thing I try to tell women who've been incarcerated when they come out and I'm going to go get my kids back. Baby, look, you got to get you right first. Because mm. that was never and people used to say sometimes even in those seasons when I failed um, or messed up. They used to say, I, I don't understand. Something got to be wrong with you. You don't love your kids enough to stop. You must don't love your kids. And I say this, and I'm going to say this very slow. There was never, ever a time that I did not love Caleb and Joshua enough. I just didn't love me enough. Mm. I didn't love me enough mm-hmm. to stop. I didn't love me enough to deal with any of the pain, really, really deal with the pain. I just didn't love me enough. Mm-hmm. And people get this thing confused. Because if you don't can't love yourself, you don't have the capability to love anybody else. Or only, until, only to the extent that you know how to. Right. But to deeply love, you don't have that. You don't have it. You don't mm-hmm. have it to give. Mm-hmm. You're emotionally bankrupt. No deposits, no withdrawals, just bankruptcy. And I, I tell people that wholeheartedly because you got to love yourself. And it's ongoing for me, even now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even now. 
is you got to love yourself. And how do you do that? Because I tell people, people say stuff so candidly, like it's real cute. It can be real cute and pretty. Like, Leather, you got to forgive yourself. Well, how do I do that? Can somebody write that down? You just got to do it. How? Because those are words to me. Because it's easier for that that particular person to say. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, I can't even sit here and say that to you. I mean, after sitting here, um, having to really listen to your story, because um, like I think I've, I've told you offline, like I, I kind of had to step away from this topic a little bit because um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know about this one. Uh, Tosh going to have to assist with these questions because <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to ask her. Um, and I wasn't, I, I didn't want it to come off that we were trying to put you back on trial when we were really wanting to. What is what, what I feel like we did receive is understanding the psychological um factors and and really what you went through it is not as easy as when you walk out of whichever jail someone is at and say oh I'm gonna go get my babies back it don't happen instantly and regardless of whatever reason you go into prison for it it don't happen tomorrow um and at the same token the self-care factor you are just starting mm-hmm. to do and granted some of us are still starting to do and we should have been doing it, but to me, I feel like yours should have started like immediately after jail or while you were in jail. And that's a whole other topic and, and situation. Not that you did anything wrong, but that's what hurts. You should have got self-care and help. Regardless of how you would have got that, that should have been... But I'm glad to hear that the kids were a priority. I'm glad to hear that. And I, I think I mentioned this before, how involved you were. So while those who are listening, maybe they, you know, I don't know if anyone is incarcerated that does listen to our show, but, you know, or maybe it just gotten out. Um, I'm hoping that they are hearing our story as a way of, I can bounce back. Mm-hmm. And here are the steps to take and um and you gave us so many nuggets i oh mean my God. um so many words that it ain't even funny right now i mean we we will have to do this will be divided into a two-parter yeah. um for those who may be listening to us for the first time we typically do about an hour show and as, as Tosh would say, sometimes we just scratch the surface. Um, not that we've been around for a long time at all. But um, in this case, we will be dividing this up. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a two-week situation. Um, but with that, can do you mind telling our audience maybe where to find you? Or yeah. do you prefer to give out an email address? If you don't want to... Uh, that we is can fine direct, or we can they direct can just, you to Tori maybe they or, can no, they can email no. us they can email us and reach out to us and we can funnel it to you it is up to you um what I do um I enjoy what I do as far as where I work now but I know my calling is greater than even that because there are so, I actually, I've been out by Texas Department of Criminal Justice standards. Their rules is you have to be off of probation or parole for five years before you can actually go back into the prisons. I still have four years left on probation. I've been going into the prisons for over three and a half years now. Okay. So I go, I've gone back to the very units that I've come out of. So although I love the work part, my I think what God, what I'm here for now is to go into those, and I don't go under prison ministry. I go with substance abuse because I want to talk to those ladies who've done the dirty, filthy, stanky, janky, funky stuff mm-hmm. that they feel like they can't tell anybody about. Mm-hmm. And I, when they walk up to me and say, oh my God, how, how, can you, how can I make it? I'm able to share my experience, my strength, and my hope with them to let them know you can do this. Because what I've learned is that we don't want to do, we want the pretty stuff. We don't like the dirty stuff. 
when it's pretty, it's cute, and people are overcoming. What about those women that are still in there fighting to get out, swinging in the air, who don't have any direction, who don't have that person they can go in here and say, hey, let's let's talk about this thing. Mm-hmm. And so although, like I said, the work thing, I don't think it's, my calling is to go back in okay. to go into whatever arena that I'm sent into, whether it be here on podcast, whatever is out there for me to get because it's so much bigger than me. It happened to me. Granted, but it's bigger than me. Right. It's so much bigger than me. And so I do go out and I speak and um, my email address is laheatherw at gmail.com and that's L-A-H-E-A-T-H-E-R-W at gmail.com. I don't mind sharing my st- myself. Mm-hmm. But I also have to learn how to take care of myself in the process of sharing myself. Yes, yes. That's the reason why we <laughs> asked the question. Um, so we, we will have this in our show notes. Um, every every episode we have written show notes. Okay. Um, nice. So that'll be listed on there for those of you who are listening to us while driving or working out as um, I've received notes about. Um, so you can find that in the show notes and um, on our social media pages. Um, we can't thank you enough for being here and sharing your story your thoughts and your wisdom to enlighten our guests. I just have to tell you that. Thank you. Thank you for your transparency because as Mel was saying, you have given us some words. It's a word, as they say. It's a it's a testimony <laughs> what you provided today. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um as we've started to do um, in the month of October, I know we try not to be too too much in terms of time, as you can listen to these podcasts at any time. But um, every week or every episode, we do try to highlight a mom's group. Um, in this case, we want to highlight the National Bailout Organization. Um, the week before Mother's Day, organizations in dozens of cities across the country will bail out as many mothers as possible who otherwise would spend Mother's Day in a cell simply because they cannot afford jail. National Black Mamas um, Bailout Day will give incarcerated mothers an opportunity to spend Mother's Day with their children and build community through gatherings that highlight the impact of inhumane and destructive bail practices on our communities. We will highlight them um, this week, and you can definitely check your show notes on where to find them, and perhaps you too can get involved um, helping our moms that are incarcerated and um, helping them through some psychological needs. I definitely like the work they've done. If you are, if you... um are online or social media during the Mother's Day time, you can see just the dozens and dozens of moms being reunited with their children. And it's just, it is, it is just emotional. Because like you mentioned, with all of the things that go on um, in prison. So um, definitely, definitely check them out. Please do. So, oh, I know. I'm sorry. So please check out additional resources and links in our show notes where you can find out more information um, of organizations such as National Bailout. Also about our topics and bio of our guest speaker, Ms. Wilson. We ask that you rate and review this and other episodes or send us an email at mahoganymomology at gmail. Then continue the conversation via our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Until next time, I'm Tosh. And I'm Mel. And we thank you for listening to Mahogany Momology. Bye-bye.